stretch you to your capacity and stretch you, you know, further than your capacity, actually, so that you can rely on Him. And it's so important because sometimes we say, no, God will only give me what I can handle, right? And which is actually, it's true, but also not true. Because sometimes God will often give you more than what you can handle so that you can rely on Him and not on your own strength. And this morning, I feel some of us are really walked in this morning like quite empty, right? Quite empty in, in their relationship with God. And you walked in, you're like, you're just here because you know it's Sunday and you're in church and I need to, in a, in a sense, tick the box and just do a little, just do, do just enough so that higher and Aaron's is not on my case. And we just walk in here and just, I'm just going to sit and wait the hour by and then go home. And that's signs of being empty, actually. And if you have that thought, if you have that moment in your life, there's a sign that you might be empty this morning and God wants to fill you with his spirit so that you can really shine for him. Now, Paul joked about this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Man, but if you are empty, you don't want to shine anything. And I'm trusting that God will fill us this morning so that we can shine for him. And it's not easy always to be a Christian. It's not easy to be a a follower of Jesus. And I want to just add something to that as well. It's not always easy to be properly part of church. It's not easy. And, and a sign of that is, now I'm just going to just spend time with Jesus on my own. And, and that's a sign of, man, you are finding it difficult to give yourself for God's way. His way to advance the kingdom is the church. And uh, this morning I'm trusting that God will deposit such a, mm, I don't know what to call it, such a, yeah, man, that he will fill you this morning. Because it's easy to, when it gets stuff, to isolate. It's easy to, to shrink back, right? And honestly, we've had those moments where we just want to, oh man, it's just, it would be so great to have an off Sunday. You know what I mean? And I'm not speaking about rest. We need to rest and we're going on leave mid-April. So we are prioritizing our rest. Man, if you are empty, you actually need to go to church. Sometimes, hey, can I have an off Sunday? Like, why do you want an off Sunday? You, man, you are empty. You need to be filled by the love of the believers, the love of Jesus when we worship him. You know what I mean? So don't get discouraged. It's easy to get discouraged. And this morning I'm trusting this will be an encouraging message to us. And God has given us gifts to build up the church, right? And I'm going to read some of it just now. But it's easy to be on the back foot and not contribute our gifts. Because it's difficult to give of ourselves at times. And I believe that now more than ever, we need to be resting followers of Jesus and not restless followers of Jesus. And that's my message this morning, to be resting followers of Jesus and not restless. And I want to encourage us, and there's three points that I want to make. Oh my goodness, I had a stopwatch just to time myself and I didn't start it. But anyway, I'm just going to put that off. Raise your hand if it gets too long. Go grab coffee or something. But I want to make three points this morning to encourage us so that we can be resting followers of Jesus. And the first one is in Hebrews 12. If you've got your Bibles or you're making notes, you're welcome to write it down. In Hebrews 12, there's a couple of scriptures that I'm going to read this morning. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. How can we be resting followers? So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such, such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Some of us are growing weary. Some of us are losing heart. And I want to encourage us, how can we not grow weary? How can we not lose heart? And the first point that I want to make is we need to throw off. We need to throw off. And you can put verse 1 back on, please, of Hebrews 12. Is it, is it one? Yeah. Let us throw off. Not some things. Let us throw off everything. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Easily entangles. It entangles us easily. It's not like, man, sin is, from, sin is at a distance and it just, man, I'm, I'm just going to not go there. It easily entangles us, man. Because the Bible says if you say you're without sin, you're a liar, actually. So if you say this morning, no, man, sin is on that side of the room. It doesn't, it's not going to entangle me. Dangerous ground. You need to be so aware of the schemes of the enemy. You need to be so aware of your habits in your life. You need to be so aware of the things that really entangles you, the things that hinders you. Because if you're not going to be aware of it, you're going to get entangled. You're going to look at your life and you're going to realize, oh man, there's things that's hindering me. And if you're not going to throw those things off, you're going to lose heart. You're going to grow weary. So honestly, for myself, I realize that sin will wear me down. And I want to say for us, church, sin will wear you down. Sin will make your heart drift. And it happens subtly. Have you realized that? It happens subtly. You just realize, man, you just letting things creep into your life, and the next moment you just feel like, man, I, I don't know if I want to still spend, you know, spend time with God, this church thing, uh, and subtly. And the next moment you lost heart. You are weary. And God doesn't want us at that place. And I think we, we sometimes give sin more credit than we should, actually. Sin will, sin will corrupt more than you think. Sin will corrupt more than you think. And there's a response of that is fixing our eyes on Jesus. Verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Man, if, you eyes, if your eyes are fixed on something, nothing is going to take it off of that. Does that make sense? If I, if I tell you guys, quickly look at the board, I'm guaranteed everyone's looking at the board. Some of you are writing down, huh? You're not fixing your eyes. <laughs> Man, if you fix your eyes on something, you're zoomed into that thing. You're focused on that thing. What are you focused on? Is it finances? Is it your work? Is it family? Is it your, this life? Is it the wars going on? Is it corona? Is it, what, what are you fixing your eyes on? Because where you fix your eyes on, your heart will go along. Your heart will go along. 
And I've, I've seen it. And some of you are cyclists here as well. And recently, well, those of you who know, the Cape Epic is starting this weekend. And, and suddenly I'm just starting to fix my eyes a little bit more. And, you know, the action on what's happening there. And I'm a cyclist myself. And so now my eyes are, you know, I'm just looking at new bicycles and all those type of things. Nothing wrong with that. But it's easy where you can really just fix your eyes on that thing and you're not, you're not focusing on anything else, actually. And that's how idols creep into your heart. And as a church, we need to be a people that fixes our eyes on Jesus. Because he is the, the, the different translation says, he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the pioneer, the author, the one who started your faith. You're sitting here this morning with faith in your heart, right? Guess who started that? Don't tell me you woke up one morning, oh, I've got faith. Man, God gave you that faith. He is the, he is the starter, so to speak, of what we are doing here this morning. He is the, the pioneer. And can I say this? Many of us have started our faith in Him, and now we're relying on ourselves. Not relying on the perfecter of our faith anymore. Did you get what I'm saying? We, we believe in God who is the, the author, the starter, the pioneer of our faith. And then we forget about He is also the perfecter of our faith. The one that will finish what He has started. Many of us have started with Him. But now we suddenly we, we rely on ourselves. And not the one that will finish what He has started. Philippians 1 verse 6 says this. Being confident of this. So there's a confidence, man, not on yourself, but on Him. That He, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that day is when He comes back for us as a church. Man, there's a day drawing near when He's coming back. And hopefully it's soon. If there's something in your heart like, man, I don't hope it's soon, actually. Your heart has drifted. If you feel like, man, I still want to do this, this, and that before Jesus comes back, your heart has drifted. You have grown weary. There should be an urgency in your heart, man, Jesus should come back now. That's the day that I'm living for. He who has began a good work in you will also complete it. So trust him. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. He is the one that will complete it. Don't just trust him for the start. Trust him for the finish. And some of us have, have really lost hope. And man, you've been trusting God for something specific. You've been trusting God for the things in your life. Don't lose hope. It doesn't always work out the way we're gonna, we, we think it would. But don't lose hope. He is the finisher of our faith. Don't lose hope. God is still busy. Right. Second point that I want to make. The first one is throw off, man. Throw off everything that will entangle you. Secondly, my point is found in Romans 12. You can put it up, Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. Bit of a longer passage. But for the grace given me, I say to every one of you, so that's like me and you, everyone, every one of us, you need to listen. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So there's a measure of faith that God has given each one of you. All right? Each one. There's a different measure. So my faith, the measure of faith that God has given me and the measure of faith God has given Quirtzen might look different. Hang on with me. Verse 
where are we now? Four. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. So myself and Kurtzen, we have different gifts according to God who has given that grace. Right? So it's not like when you walk into the door, uh, there's just a little paper, just sign there where you want what gift you want. It's not a Christmas shopping list. This is an importation from the Holy Spirit that it gives you. Where are we now? So we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is to prophesy, let him use it in pro- uh, proportion to his faith. It is, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's con- contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern dilig- diligently. If it's not, sorry, if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. There's a, there's a sense of whatever your gift is, do it well. That is, that is what God has given us, man. So do it well. If it's serving, if it's whatever, like AV, I mean, you guys are so in love. I know you're just thinking of one another right now, eh? But you are doing it well. Not loving one another. I'm speaking about serving, guys. <laughs> whatever your gift is, do it well. Do it well. And the point that I want to make is, the second, secondly, is how we can really make sure we are resting followers is to play your part. Play your part. If you're not playing your part, you'll become restless. If you, if you, if you come to church and you play, play your part, there's, a, there's, there's such a, a liberty that comes. There's such a rest that comes because, man, you are finding your groove, so to speak. You are finding like, your, the right gear for you to run in. It's only when you play your part. I've seen many times, even in my own life, when I'm not playing my part, when I see people not playing their part, they get frustrated. They lose hope. They get frustrated with church and leaders and offended with people and this and that because they've lost sight of the vision. They've lost sight of the mission, how to get there. And that's so important. What is your gift? What is your part that you need to play? And walk in that. Walk in that. God, is some, God has something for each one of you. We're like one body, man. And we need to build it up for God. Not so that my, my gift. Eh? It's not about your gift. It's about the body being built up. When people make much of your gift, you need to go like, whoa. But if your gift make much of God, that's, that's how it should be. That's how it should be. And man, I want to encourage us, bring your gift, whatever it is. Honestly, I've, I've seen Mika, sorry, I, I, I didn't tell you I'm going to do this. But I've seen her step out in prophecy. If it's prophecy, prophesy according to your faith. And I can go around the room, just how each one is stepping out. And maybe you are on the back foot. Man, I want to encourage you, take a step for God. Be on the front foot. And just one point that I want to make on this is comparison. I just feel like I need to drop it in here. Comparison is a killer, eh? 
If you're going to compare your gift with the person next to you, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, and we have to be secure. We've got, every one of us have different functions in, in his body. All, all of us have different functions. And we need to be, be securing that. We need to be securing the portion of faith God has given us. And recently, recently on my bicycle, see, I'm telling you, good things happen on bicycles. I had this thought, I just had this moment of God where, where he dropped it into my heart. Comparison will either steal your joy or make you prideful. Comparison will either steal your joy or make you prideful. If you compare in a bad way and you look at, for example, in this, in this context, Quirtzen, and I look at him and I'm like, okay, measuring his gifts, measuring his, you know, how he's, how he's giving, me- measuring his marriage, and that, that, will, that will either make me, in a sense, jealous and I will steal my joy and I will go like, oh, I'm, not, uh, I'm such a failure. Oh, I'm not, I wish I had that. Or it, will, or it will make me prideful. I'm like, oh, luckily I'm not like that. I'm actually, man, I'm just so happy who God made me to be. But actually that's pride because you are comparing yourself and you're looking down on others. And you're not staying in your lane. Stay in your lane. What, is, what, what did God give you? Do that well. Don't compare yourself. God has given that person whatever God gave him. And you need to go and encourage that person to run in that person's lane well. There's no place for comparison in a bad way. I mean, we can look at one another and be encouraged. Don't be like, don't hear what I'm not saying. We can go like, and man, you look at Kurtzen, I'm using you all the time now. Sorry, man, I'm making you prideful. <laughs> uh, you, you can look at one another and go like, man, the way Henrico is giving himself is incredible. Man, that encourages me. I love how you're seeking him in his word. I love how you are stepping out, out in prophecy, actually. And that encourages me. I'm not comparing. I'm not going like, oh, bro, why are you so, why are you so on the front foot? Why are you so on fire for God? You're actually making me uncomfortable, man. That's comparing. That's comparing. Because now suddenly you can go into a place of now he's stealing my joy. I wish I was like that. And then he goes through a time where he's not doing that as much. And then you're like, oh, I'm doing it more. And for the competitive guys, that's a challenge. You need to be secure in who God made you to be. And celebrate others. Encourage others in their race for God. We're in this race together, but each person has his own race as well. So be courageous, man. Be courageous. Be secure in who God made you to be. And play your part. Is that clear? And then thirdly, my last point that I want to make in the way we can find rest in God. And I mean, I hope you're catching the thread of what I'm doing this morning is, firstly, we need to throw off the sin. Because if there's sin in your life, you, you will feel restless. You'll feel disconnected from God. You'll feel disconnected from one another. And then secondly, you need to play a part because if you're not playing your part, you won't find the vision, you won't find the purpose for your life, and you'll become restless. So, so do you see, resting in God is not necessarily just going on vacation. It is really being active where God wants you to be because our rest is found in Him, not on a day. <laughs> it's in Him. And I love vacations. We're going on vacation. So I'm like resting in Jesus, praise God. But also, we find rest as we are active in his house. 
And my third point is in Matthew 11. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. Listen to this. It's going to be a short point. Come to me. Oh, man, I can just end it off right there. Come to me. There's an invitation this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Just keep that up, actually. Who will give us rest? Jesus, not I. In this case, Jesus is the I. But Jesus is the one that gives us rest. We come to him. Next verse, verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That, that yoke that you need to take upon yourself is, is his yoke, actually. And the, that yoke is really just tells me that there's work to be done. If I'm correct, it's two oxen next to one another, and there's a yoke that, in a sense, binds us together. And it's a sign of, man, these oxen need to work. There's work to be done. There's, there's a kingdom that has to be advanced. There's the lost out there that needs to get saved. There's work. There's much work to be done. So taking his yoke means you're going to work <laughs> for his kingdom. But it's going to be light, man. It's not going to feel like, man, this is like overbearing and I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. It really is taking really his strength for the purpose. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can I say this? It's not a self-help um, hype. All right. Okay, Lord, this morning, I'm coming to you. It's all about me. No, it's not all about us. It's all about him. And we find rest in him. Our rest is found in Jesus. And if you are here this morning and you feel empty, I want to encourage you, come to him. Come to him. Jesus is saying this morning, come to me. Come to me. Come find rest in, in me. Don't do this on your, on your own. Don't find your own strength. I mean, there, there's many things out there you can, that, that's very self-help things, and it really is so temporary. But God's rest is what we need. God's rest is what we need. And I want to say, don't neglect the basic discipline of coming to him. Don't neglect it. It's a basic discipline, right? I, this, this preach this morning is very foundational. It's, it's actually at the starting point of our faith. Without this, you can't be a Christian. <laughs> you, we, we can't be a Christian without coming to Him. The, isn't that the problem of, of, of salvation with many people? We try to work for our own rest. We try to work for our own salvation. Where Jesus said, man, I've paid the price on the cross. You need to come to me. You get what I'm saying? We need to come to him. This week, I was quite overwhelmed. Just such a busy week, such an emotional week. And there were times where I felt like, oh, man, I don't want to really just, I don't want to get out of bed. You know, just, if you have felt that way, it's like, oh, just, just feel a bit drained, feel a bit empty. And I remember I had this moment where I actually had to get out of my bed, go to another room, put earphones in my ears, open up my Bible, and I'm going to find him this morning. And I mean, 
It was so refreshing. My wife probably thought, yeah, he's a different guy now. Sometimes he'll encourage me, when last did you spend time with God? And they don't know. Ooh. And that's, that's how we, well, she encourages me more than I owe. But obviously, we need to find God ourselves. But it's not always easy. And sometimes we need to take a step. It's like, Lord, I'm coming to you now. I'm coming to you now. I'm coming to you now. It's easy to just default into your work mode. When the day starts, work mode, because then you're busy and you feel you've got purpose. But we neglect the basic discipline of, Lord, I'm coming to you. Lord, before, before everything, I'm coming to you. Because I want to live from that place of rest and not work for the rest. It's important. And we think we can be sustained without Him, right? We think. I, th- I thought for a while, I thought, man, I, I was... I had a good moment like a week or two ago with God, and I'm sure they will sustain me. And we go without being daily sustained by Him. And then we're running on reserves. I don't want to make a petrol joke, but it is quite relevant, right? You don't want to, want to run on fumes. Well, today you want to, but, uh, <laughs> but man, spiritually, we can't run on fumes. We can't run on that, that light being empty, peeping all the time. Fill up, man, fill up, fill up. And the thing is, when you're full, it's easy to keep it full. But when you're empty, it feels like a mountain in front of you. It feels like a month's salary in front of you. (laughs) But if you're full, it's easy to keep yourself full. And what I I found with, with this moment of God, it was one moment of God that filled me up. One moment is between you being empty and you being full. One moment. You don't have to go study theology. You don't have to read the whole Bible in a day. Well, it will be impressive. Probably won't remember a lot, but it's one moment in His presence. One moment where He comes and you just, oh, I see you, Lord. I see you. And when we see Him, we throw off the sin. When we see Him, we find purpose in His house. As we come to Him, that's the only way you're going get, to get full. I want us to, to maybe just close our eyes. Maybe, where, Milan, you, you can quickly come to jump onto the guitar. And I want us to, to come to him this morning, man. We can't do this Christian walk independently. We can't do it independently, church. We can't do it without God. We need to depend on him. We need to rely on him. And for myself, to be honest, pride at times really crept into my heart where I felt like I can do this on my own. I'm a Christian. I work for the church. I read my Bible. I preach. And and suddenly you realize you're relying on your own strength. And I became independent, relying on myself. I don't want to be humble. I I don't want to rely on others. And God is calling us this morning, come to me. Come to me. You don't have to stay in that place of emptiness. You don't have to stay in that place of being overwhelmed by life. Can we find our courage in in Him this morning? Can we find such an encouragement in Him this morning?